Jesus ultimately had to face at Jerusalem, none of us ever will. We do have our own that we have to face from time to time. And we have this table set today because we need all the help and strength we can get. So we are going to have Holy Communion in a few minutes. Uh, and that includes those who are wherever you may be worshiping with us. Now, this is not a United Methodist table. This is, this is Jesus' table. This is about him. So you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to come and receive Holy Communion. Jesus would simply ask you to come. We're talking about expectations today. Expectantly. Come expecting that there will be transformation, that you'll come here and bring whatever it is that you think might be a barrier between you and Jesus. And that's between you and him. But bring that with you when you come and leave it here and eat the bread, take the juice, and go back out into the world knowing that you are very clear on what Jesus' expectations of you are, and we're going we're gonna to nail that down in just a minute, uh, and that you can go in his power and in his strength to live for him in the world. Now, if you need that uh, gluten-free, we have gluten-free right here. So there will be a station here, 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 and here. And no one's going to come and get you by the hand and take you. Uh, we're going to trust that we all remember the rules from kindergarten where you don't push and shove and there'll be enough for everybody. If you, just come out of this side of whatever section you're in, come out from this side, come around, receive, and then go back on, on this side of the uh, section. And I, and I think it's going to all work out just beautifully. So uh, we will have that to look forward to if you're at home and you have a little piece of bread, a little, if you have, you don't have to have regulation Welsh's grape juice, it's okay. If you have anything, get, a, get some water, whatever you have, but drink a little bit and eat a little bite of something as we have Holy Communion and experience the grace that God offers to us through this sacrament of Holy Communion. Now, I want to ask you if you have ever, if you have ever just shattered someone else's expectations of you, or perhaps, perhaps uh, your expectations expectations have been shattered um, because of something that someone put on you that just didn't work. Um, I've told many stories along the way about. Uh, <laughs> my less than stellar original collegiate career. When I came out of high school, I went to UT and uh, started a band, and, and I learned a cruel truth. And that is that if you don't go to class, and if you don't take a test, if you don't take especially a final, and you not, never go to class, they will not give you an A or a B or a C or a D, what they will give you, and see, this is so uh, deceptive. What, what you get is an I. Oh, it's an I. It stands for incomplete. Well, shucks. I just didn't get everything finished. What they don't tell you this is over time, those I's magically become F's, and they're on your permanent record. And you can't get rid of them. And I learned that some 20 years later when I decided to go to seminary and realized I had to have a bachelor's degree of something first and went to Tuscum College at night when I got my transcript from UT. <laughs> it was a point six. <laughs> All those eyes turned to S. Point six. So I carried that with me. That's a whole other story about the grace that I received from the seminary to get in. But that's another story. But so, so, I, so I flunked out at my first time. I was 19 years old, and, 
And we were starting a band, and we were getting pretty popular in Knoxville, and we wanted to go on the road. And because we were, I mean, I believed with all, this is how gullible I was, I believed with all my heart and soul that we were going to go out on the road, we were going to play bars and nightclubs, and on any, any given night, some record producer was going to walk in and go, it's John, George, Paul, and Ringo. Dad gum, it's the, it's, it's the Beatles made over. We're all going to be rock stars and make a fortune. I really thought that was going to happen. That was an unreasonable expectation. Now, it turns out my father also had what I thought was an unreasonable expectation. My father valued education above everything. He was a child of the Depression. He was able to go to college at Tennessee Wesleyan because his best friend was a really good football player. And they recruited him. And, and his best friends, and my dad, everybody called him Skip, Skip Trotter. And, and, and my friend, who's actually his name was Mel Trotter, and oddly enough, they weren't really related other than distantly. But Mel was a great football player, and the, the, the Tennessee Wesleyan coaches recruited him. And, and Mel Trotter said, well, I'll, yeah, I'll come to Tennessee Wesleyan, but you got to take my friend Skip, too. <laughs> and so he was such a good football player, they said, done. And so my dad went to Tennessee Wesleyan College because his best friend was a good football player. Now, my dad went on to be the ladies' uh, basketball coach at Tennessee Wesleyan and coached tennis and softball. He was quite an athlete, as it turns out, later in life. So he highly valued education, came by it the hard way, and did get a degree. So he knew someone in the, in the uh, registrar's office at UT, and they had made arrangements for me to start back that fall, the next fall, and just and basically just start over. My mom's father, my grandpa, was in the hospital, and so dad was coming down to the hospital with my mom. And my mom called me, and she said, you, need, <laughs> you and your dad are not on the same page on what's going to happen this fall, and you've got to talk to him. Okay, so uh, dad and I... Uh, met in the coffee shop at the Old Baptist Hospital, right on the other side of the Henley Street Bridge. And he was telling me that, you know, I know it didn't work out well. The, I know you're better than that son. I know you can do better if you'll apply yourself. And I can, you can start school in the fall. And I had to break his heart. And I said, Dad, I don't want to go to school in the fall. I don't want to go to college. And I could just see his face fall. There's nothing I could have said that would have been worse. Well, actually, there was, and I said it. He said, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, Dad, I'm going to go on the road and play rock and roll. <laughs> this, this, the choir director, this is the choir director I'm talking to. And he did something that two authority figures have done in my life on two separate occasions. This was the first time. He took his glasses off and he rubbed his eyes and he looked at me and he pointed them at me. And he said, son, you're going to regret this. Put him back on. He got up and left. I crushed him. Shattered his expectations for me. But I couldn't do it. I knew that I couldn't do it. I wasn't ready to do it. Now, I don't know if anybody's ready to go on the road and play in bars and nightclubs. I mean, that's as unreasonable an expectation for some people as my father's expectations were of me. But that was what I felt like I wanted to do, and that was what I was going to do. That's what I did. And I learned something, and, I've, and it is this. And I thought of it a lot this week. Expectations are like 
garments. If they don't fit, we will never be comfortable. And we can try to wear other people's expectations as best we can, but if they don't fit us, we're going to trip over them, and they're, or they're going to weigh us down, or they're going to be so tight and bind us up that we can't do anything. And it's not that it's not that the expectations are wrong. I mean, my dad's expectation of me going to college and getting a degree, that's not unreasonable. But it was for me at that time. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that. I was so immature, and I had such a lack of focus. I, I did want to do music. I knew that. But, but even the expectation I had that we were going to go on the road and some record producer was going to come in and we were going to be rock stars, I mean, that is an unreasonable expectation. It's a one in a million shot. Yeah, it happens occasionally. It didn't happen to me. Uh, it didn't happen to anybody I know, but it's, it's just unreasonable. So those were clothes that were never going to really fit me. Even when I was on the road, I stumbled over that garment. My own expectations. It's never cut out for that. That became apparent before very long. Managing expectations is difficult, and as hard as it is to manage other people's expectations that get draped over us and they don't fit and we're uncomfortable, the expectations we have for others are just as bad. I learned a phrase this week that the recovery community uses. It's out of the Alcoholics Anonymous big book, and this is such a great phrase. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Think about that. How many times have you planned something? You had these expectations for somebody. You know, I don't know. I know, Let's just make something up. Uh, you were going to fix dinner. Your spouse was out gonna, w- working. And you thought, I'm going to go home early. I'm going to stop by, you know, Publix. And, and I'm going to get some ribeyes. And I'm going to get some asparagus. And maybe we'll have some baked potato and a little salad. We're going to light some can. I'm gonna, and, and when he or she comes home, and from this heart, they're just going to be, oh, it's going to be, it's gonna, and we're going to light candles, put on some soft music. It's going to be beautiful. And so you do all that, and they're late. And they're 15 minutes and 30 minutes and an hour late. And all of a sudden, the steak is cold and overcooked because it's been resting too long, and everything is ruined. And finally, he or she comes in, and you can see it in their eyes. The last thing in the world they want to do is have a party. And they go, you know, it's been a horrible day. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I'm just going to bed. And what happens? (laughs) It's no longer about them and their hard day, is it? The resentment. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments, and it's so true. And we do that to each other. You know, uh, partners do that to each other. Friends do that to each other. So, what do we do? How do, how do we deal? How do we manage expectations? How, what's right? What's fair? Is there a baseline? Well, yes, I'm going to submit that there is. And and, and I'm going to submit in a minute to you what I think are Jesus' expectations for you and me. I think I figured it out. And I figured it out because they they lie in, in the tension between two passages of Scripture. Remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And, and in chapter 10 of Luke's Gospel, he, uh, he, has, he's, he stops in a synagogue and he's teaching. 
and there's a lawyer there, and the lawyer is trying to trip him up. You know, the lawyers will, will do that sometimes, and they were trying to. You no, know, I know we got lawyers in here this morning. I'm sorry. I love you, uh, <laughs> but this lawyer is trying to trip up Jesus, and he said, "You know, what's the what's the most important uh, commandment?" And Jesus said, "Well, what what do you what did you what do you know? What have you learned? You're a good Jewish man. Well, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself." And Jesus says, bingo, good boy, patted him on the head. And the guy said, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus told a story, just made a story up right on the spot, the story of the Good Samaritan. That it comes just before the passage we're going to read now. And they work together. It's very interesting the way they work together. So hold that thought. So he just told that story of the Good Samaritan, how, how this, this Jewish man gets bushwhacked by a robber and beaten up and put to the side of the road to die. And, and a priest, two priests walk by. And they just go to the other side of the road because he's bleeding and that'll make them ceremonially unclean. And a Samaritan, a hated Samaritan comes by and he picks him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the Motel 6 and gets him in the room and uh, gets him some Red Bull and some Band-Aids and stuff and fixes him up and pays his bill. Okay, that's just happened. So now we're going to pick up just the next event. And this is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, starting at verse 38. So, Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen that is what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now that's the story from Luke's gospel, and it is so rich with meaning and and ruptured expectations, unreasonable expectations, at least from one perspective, not from another, it starts right off with an unreasonable expectation. Jesus went into a woman's home. It didn't matter what her name was. Jewish men, and, and he wasn't by himself, his disciples were with him. Jewish men didn't just drop in on a woman. You didn't do that. Um, you know, it's hard for us to hear in 2023, and I get that. It's hard for me to hear as a man. I can only imagine how hard it is to hear for women still that that's the way it was. Women had, had no priority. They had no pride of place. They, they had very little value in that culture. They made babies, and they kept the house, and they kept to themselves, and they kept quiet. Women did not invite men into their house, certainly not uh, rabbis that are gaining notoriety to talk religion, to talk about the scriptures. Uh-uh. Didn't happen. Would have never happened, except Jesus was really, really good at taking people's expectations and popping them like a balloon and saying, I've got new expectations here. And so he goes in. And Martha goes into full-on Jewish woman mode. I've got 
to extend hospitality to my guests. And so the first thing she does is make a fresh batch of sweet tea. He, Jesus is a preacher, so she's making fried chicken. And, and you know, she's probably got the mashed potatoes and the peas going, got rolls in the oven, and it's going to be, she's got to do all this stuff because that's what she does. That's her role. That's the expectation for a Jewish woman. And that's just what you did. Didn't matter who the guest was. Well, it did matter to Jesus. Now, now, Martha, she was putting those same expectations on top of her sister. Her sister Mary, another Jewish woman, wasn't her house apparently, but she was visiting. But she would have still been responsible for helping her sister with the hospitality. At least you could make the rolls, you know. At least you could make sure the tea has got enough sugar in it, do something. But no, she goes out and horror of all horrors, she sits at Jesus' feet like a man. No. And see, I think that's part of the problem with Martha. It was one bad, it was bad enough that she wasn't helping her. But Martha's like, well, you're sitting there like a disciple, like a man. You don't do that. And you don't. But she did. And Jesus amended her for it. Because Jesus loves to take expectations and flip them upside down. And, and he knew, he knew, <laughs> he got caught up in it. He got caught up in it all the time. Whenever he let the disciples snap the heads off the grain stalks on the Sabbath, they got mad at him because the expectation was you don't work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, they're hungry. A guy comes to him to be healed. He heals on the Sabbath. He heals a man. And they're like, why did you do that? He needed to be healed. And he was, he was really good at rupturing cultural and religious expectations. And he did it over and over and over again. And he was really happy that Mary had made that decision. And I think he felt for Martha. Because Martha was just doing, she was wearing the garment that had been draped over her when she was probably eight years old. You've got to make the sweet tea and the mashed potatoes and the fried chicken if the preacher comes over and be quiet. Mind your place. Not good enough for Jesus. See, Jesus came. There was, that was one of the most beautiful things he did that, that lasts to this day. And I'm so happy that the United Methodist Church takes a position where women and men are women and men. Yeah, we're different. One's a woman, one's a man, but we're equal. We're the, we're the same in, in terms of, of human beings. You know, we're people. And that's the way Jesus treated women, which was an incredible rupture of expectations in those days. And I'm glad that we embrace that as in the United Methodist Church. And because heaven knows there have been a lot of really talented women that never had a chance because you don't do that. Yeah, you do. You do it really well. But, okay, here's the thing. Unreasonable expectations can hinder becoming who we really are. Mary was just, something inside of Mary said, you know what, I know what I'm expected to do. But that's Jesus. And I may not ever get another chance like this. And I'm going to sit at his feet, to heck with the expectations. And I'm going to sit at his feet and learn what I can. Martha, Martha didn't. And she was so tangled up in that garment, those expectations, that she couldn't move. You know, there's a, 
And that happens to us, and we'll talk about it in a minute, culturally, happens with friends. We get burdened with expectations that don't fit and we're never comfortable, and sometimes it holds us back. There's a great story in the Bible about King David. Remember, if you do, David is the one who, uh, who took care of Goliath, the giant. And the story was David was one of a bunch of sons, and uh, God wanted him to be king and anointed him to be the king. Uh, there was still a king. His name was Saul. He wasn't a very good one. And there was this, this group of Philistines. They were non-Jewish people, and they were taunting the Jewish people were yelling across the valley. They were going to come and wipe them out, and they would have if they had. So they had this giant named Goliath, and he was taunting and cursing the name of the Lord. And so David comes up. He's bringing food because he was like the youngest boy. He wasn't fighting, but he comes up. He's bringing food, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who is this guy talking about God that way? Who does he think he is? Well, that's Goliath. Have you seen him? He's like three times bigger than you. And he was like, I don't care. You don't talk like that. I'll take care of him. And they're like, David, just chill, you know? And he's like, no. So Saul says, that's in my version of the Bible. It's, it's an interesting translation. And Saul's like, okay, 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 okay. But put on my armor. So Saul is bigger than David. So they put Saul's armor on David. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's got this, all this stuff on him, his heavy shield. And, and he can't, you know, he, he can't move around. He can't be himself. He can't be who he is. And he said, I can't, I can't wear this. I can't wear this. So he took it off, and he pulls a rock out of his pocket, and he's got a slingshot. And he says, hold my wine and watch this. <laughs> and he puts that rock in there, and he winds up, and he nails Goliath and sunk that rock right in his forehead. And Goliath fell like a redwood tree, and he was dead. Because he could not operate with somebody else's expectations on him. Nobody expected that, but God did. And he was just living out what God expected of him. And that was to acknowledge that he was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, and he could take a rock and a slingshot and take care of the problem. And he did. And the same thing happens to us. We get these garments draped over us. You know who, do, you know who does that to us? And don't get nervous. We're talking about both sides of the aisle here. Politicians do that. Politicians are really good about saying, put on this blue garment or put on this red garment. Let's be equal. Put on the blue one, put on the red one. And if you're wearing this blue one, then this is what you believe, and you do not talk to those people over there in the red garment. The red garment people, this is what you believe right here, and don't you dare talk to them or whatever you do. Don't agree with them on anything because they're all stupid. And the blue one's over here going, see what he said? They're all stupid. No. And, that's, and that's, this is what they drape over us. They drape these red and blue garments on us. And, we don't, and that's the expectation, is that we can't be us. We have to be one of them. And that may be who we are. It may be that we think some of those blue garment people, yeah, it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. So we think some of those blue garment people might have a reasonable idea, and the blue garment people are saying, some of those red garment people actually have some pretty good ideas. Shh, no. That's not the expectation. We don't do that. Friends do that to us. The, some of the worst decisions I made as a young man, and I made some bad ones. Oh, my gosh. I'm still, I've got the scars from some of them. Still have literally the psychological and emotional scars from some of the bad decisions I made. But they were always because my friends, well, friends, peers, contemporaries, had placed a garment on me that didn't fit, but by golly, I was going to wear it. 
You want to do that? You want to go here and do that? You want to go over here and do that? Okay. I want to be in the group. I'll do it. Made really bad decisions. The culture does that to us. If you're this age, then you can only do this. If you're this age, you can only do that. And now as a man who's about to be 70 uh, in, in a few months, I'm starting to, to get that. You know, It doesn't just happen to young people. It happens to older people too. Ah, mind your place. Mind your place, old man. Yeah, I'll show you, old man. I'm already tired of that, you know, but, but it's true. And there's expectations and to heck with the expectations. The culture has them. The friends have them. Sometimes our parents have them. And, and I'm a parent and, and we had expectations sometimes for our children that weren't fair. They were unreasonable. And I know that now. And kids have some unreasonable expectations of parents as well. Works. It, it works both ways. So. We all know that. We've all flinched a couple of times. And we all have those issues. So what do we do? Okay, all right, let's, I always fall back on what does Jesus want? What does he want from me? Glad you asked. I've got it right here. This is based upon the first, that story of the Good Samaritan, which ends with go and do the same as he told the story about the Samaritan man that helped his Jewish neighbor, which was unheard of, crazy expectations. Jesus ends that story by telling all the Jews in the synagogue, go and do the same. It was about doing. This story that follows right after it is not about doing. It's about being. It's about, shh, don't worry about the fried chicken. Don't worry about the sweet tea. Sit down. Be with me. Be with me. Who is it? Um, Rick Warren, who wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life. I think it was, I think he said once, we're not, we're human beings, not human doings. That's pretty good for a Baptist. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm Baptist friends, sorry. But you get, I mean, that's a pretty good line. It's about God wants to build our character. God, God, is, God is working on us. And so here's what I think about Jesus' expectations for you and me based upon those two stories, the one that's about doing, the one that's about being. Jesus expects you to love him and to love others. And you can wear your favorite jeans as you do. So you're comfortable. And see, you can love Jesus and love others as a greeter at Walmart or as an attorney or as a doctor, or as a carpenter, or as somebody who works behind the counter at Chick-fil-A, or someplace else, no matter what you do as a student, as a retired person. It doesn't matter where we are, or what we're doing, or who we're with. It makes no difference. And we all have details in our life we can fill in. We can always, always love Jesus and love others. That's what he expects from us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that's the whole law wrapped up right there. Tells that lawyer that in uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. There's also a little passage where Jesus talks about, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden. Meaning, if, you're, if you've got all these garments dumped on you and you can't move, come to me. He talks about another garment, a yoke. Come to me. My yoke, you know, the oxen, the farm animals wear the yokes. Usually there were two paired together in those days. And Jesus, I think, is thinking of that. My yoke is easy because guess what? I'll be in the other yoke. Jesus says, put that yoke on. 
Go with me. Work with me. Travel with me. I'll be right next to you. That's my expectation of you. We can live into those expectations. They will fit like our favorite pair of jeans. And, and here's one more thing that I will mention as we come to the table. Because if you're like me, there have been plenty of times that you have failed Jesus and you have not lived up to any of those expectations. And you think, how do I come, how do I come to this table? How do I even do that, knowing what I've done? Well, you know, my father and I left that day in silence. And there was silence between us. So we spoke to each other and we saw each other, but we were, there was an alienation there for a while. But when I would come back into town from the road, my father would always say to me, I would stop by the radio station to see him, and he would always say, can you stay for dinner? I've got steaks in the freezer. That was code for, I don't want to be like this. I don't want you to think I don't love you. I don't want you to think that I hold grudges. Can you stay for dinner? Got steaks in the freezer. That was my dad's thing, master steak cooker. Got steaks in the freezer. Whew, what a relief. You know, he loved me. I loved him. Jesus loves you. I want you to love him back. And hey, got steaks in the freezer. Your place is set at the table. Can you stay for dinner? We can work it out. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for inviting us for dinner. Steak, fried chicken, bread, peanut butter and crackers. We don't care, Lord. We just want to have it with you. We'll sit at your feet for a while. Just be with you. Lord, we have ruptured your expectations for us in our eyes over and over and over again, and yet you offer yourself in this table, in this bread, in this cup, and you just keep saying, can you stay for supper? Steaks in the fridge. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. We pray now that these simple gifts of bread and juice would be for us the body and blood of Jesus that we would be the body of Christ, redeemed by that blood. We may go out and love him, love others, and be comfortable in the process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.